Coming up on Stu Does America, author Stephen Kent knows how to fix our planet, but it's going to take a solution from a galaxy far, far away. CNN fails in its mission to protect Joe Biden's reputation by running a poll on him. And speaking of the media's sick Biden obsession, they've been working overtime to sell the new infrastructure package. But is it all that they say it is? Let's find out as we do the infrastructure illusion. Stu does America. Welcome to Infrastructure Week. We did it, everybody. We spent a bunch of money we don't have on things we don't need. Congratulations, Washington. You finally did it. You know, uh, the media has been mocking Donald Trump and saying, oh, well, this is infrastructure. We could finally came. Joe Biden was able to do it. And that's a fascinating point. Uh, and it illustrates quite clearly that even when Donald Trump said he wanted to spend trillions of dollars, Democrats still wouldn't go along with it. Now, I, for one, am thankful for that. And I uh, am not so excited about this particular infrastructure week that it's finally here. I, it's a letdown. You know, it's kind of a letdown. Uh, now, you might think, wait a minute. I've heard from every single news source that there were lots of progressives that were going to stop this because, gosh darn it, they just have so much principle that they would never vote only for $1.2 trillion. They needed another 3.5 on top of it or they would not cast their vote. Now, there are a few holdouts in that particular realm, uh, notably AOC and uh, Ilan Omar. But of course, that it was only made possible by a wonderful group of 13 Republicans who came together to spend your money on things you'll never see or use. Congratulations. Who voted for this among Republicans? Well, it was mostly Republicans from New York and New Jersey who really like public transportation and are largely in purplish sort of districts uh, where they're trying to uh, impress everybody. Are we? We're going to build a tunnel for you. The guy um, who represented my district in Pennsylvania when I lived up there and used to commute to New York City, a lot of commuter districts uh, got on board here. Then you have a guy from West Virginia who has really crappy internet. He was upset that kids might be at school. They were in, I guess, in his words, in parking lots trying to do school or something, and they didn't have any, any internet. And that's, of course, very sad. And then there's a guy in Nebraska who likes pork so much, his last name is literally Bacon. It's true. He voted for it. Other than that, really wasn't all that bipartisan. You know, you go back and you see a couple of dozen Republicans who get on board and, and combined in both houses, uh, and that makes this very bipartisan. But the Iraq war had over 100 Democrats on board, and I'm pretty sure it was George W. Bush's war solely. He was responsible for everything that ever happened when it came to Iraq. Look, we don't have the money to spend on this bill, as we've pointed out. And we don't need to do the things that uh, the government wants to do here. And we can get into all the details as we've had. We've done multiple shows breaking down what's in this bill and what's in the other bill every single week for the past few months. And it changes all the time. And we can tell you how much of a waste it is. But it doesn't really matter now, does it? Because number one, your money's toast. It's already going to be spent. And there's nothing you can do about it. Congratulations. Number two, we still have this other bill around the corner, and that one is much more in doubt now because one of the ways they were trying to negotiate these waters with two bills moving at the same time, one that had some Republican support, which now has passed, and the other that has no Republican support, which is this sort of fakey climate human infrastructure bill, uh, which sounds like it's out of the matrix, but isn't. Um, so 
how does this all come together now? Because one bill is passed. There's no more leverage for the progressives who were never, ever going to stop this money from being spent. There was never a moment in all of this. I've told you this a hundred times. There was never a moment in which progressives were going to avoid spending $1.2 trillion on ridiculous nonsense when given the opportunity. They were just trying to hold it up so that they could get their other bill done. That one's going to be tougher for them to get done. But my guess is eventually they'll get some version of it across the finish line. We will see. That's a lot more difficult than this one. You know, they, they don't have any Republicans to hold, hold their water for them. They have to take responsibility on their own. And they do have a couple of senators there that might hold this thing up. We will see. Uh, but I will say the one thing they get out of this for sure. Sure, there's going to be lots of roads and bridges that would have crumbled, but they will stop the crumbling. It's an anti-crumbling act. They will go through and they will say and take credit for all these jobs and all this infrastructure. And that's all going to happen. But reality has to set in at some point. That's not where we are right now, though. Reality is around the corner. Right now, we have the media glowing, glowing, just just showering Joe Biden with incredible praise because he finally did this impossible thing of spending money that isn't his and we don't have. What a brave action by our president. Let's look at some of the coverage. Biden seeks rebound as he basks in a huge political victory. Guys, uh, how do we get everyone to forget that Biden was just handed a historic defeat just last week in the elections? Uh, I don't know. Well, let's just say this is a period of basking in victory. <laughs> no one's going to buy that. Uh, let's try it anyway. And that's what they're trying today. How about this one? Joe Biden scores victory as infrastructure bill passes. Democratic factions call truce. Passing a bill is not a victory. Victory would theoretically be doing something that actually helped the country. And then that bill actually working. None of that is obviously set in stone here. I don't even know if they have any examples of doing something that actually helps the people. I've seen very little of it uh, over my years. Maybe I'm a bit of a cynic at this point. Biden's infrastructure win gives him some momentum. Joe-mentum. Here's why he needs that momentum. He is less than a week from losing a state. He won by 10 points, Virginia, last election. And he almost lost freaking New Jersey. That is not Joe Mentum, folks. That is failure and then a rehabilitation project. Bridges to the future. Congress passes Joe Biden's infrastructure bill. Bridges are always the attraction. I don't know how futuristic a bridge is. Maybe that's like some mesmerizing thing to people in D.C. But bridges are, I mean, they're utilitarian. They get the job done, but they're always the thing they talk about. They always talk about roads and bridges. But depending on how you count it, only about 10 to 20 percent of the bill actually has anything to do with roads or bridges. They talk about roads and bridges all the time, but they spend a lot of money that isn't on roads and bridges. This is the pattern. This is how they do things. Dems and dead, deadlock. House hands Biden infrastructure win. Another headline. Actually, the deadlock was ended when Republicans voted for it. Now, I think that's bad, to be clear. I don't think they should have voted for it. 
But the Dems didn't end the deadlock as much as I would love to blame them exclusively for it. Please, I'm begging you, give me more deadlock. I want nothing to happen because everything they do there sucks. So stop doing things, do less things, and we'll all be happy. House Democrats overcome major hurdles, pass infrastructure bill in a big win for Biden. Imagine, imagine this life for a second. Imagine spending a trillion dollars of other people's money and then have those people describe it to you as overcoming a hurdle. What world is this? House passes historic infrastructure bill in win for Biden. Historic? What is historic about it? It's the same thing we've been seeing throughout history. I guess it happened uh, already in the past and therefore it's part of history. I'll give them that, but spending trillions of dollars on stuff we do not need, nor do we have the money to pay for, is only historic in that it's very consistent to what we've done in the past, which got us to this point, $29 trillion in debt. Investors are piling into infrastructure stocks after House passes Biden plan. Gee, I wonder why they would do that. Could it be that using government force to take regular people's money and then give it to specific companies? Could it be that that process might improve the profits of those companies? I thought this is exactly what the left thought was bad, but apparently it's actually their entire game plan here. Why Biden succeeded on infrastructure and Trump didn't. Well, I can tell you why. Because the other party actually worked with Biden instead of calling him Hitler. That's what happened. By the way, this is not a compliment to Republicans who voted for this bill. It's an embarrassment that they did it. But it is interesting in that there was a different way to go when Donald Trump got elected. Go back to 2016. Donald Trump, he's previously a Democrat, previously an independent. He's now a Republican. He's coming into office. Several planks of his platform are very consistent to what the Democrats say they want. But they hate him so much, they will not work with him on almost any of it. The only thing I can come up with is criminal justice reform, and there was a little bit of of working together uh, there. But, you know, Biden, uh, excuse me, Trump got into office saying one of the first things he promised was he was going to do exactly what the Democrats wound up doing here, spending a trillion dollars we don't have on infrastructure. He said he was going to do that, and shockingly, Biden is the one who gets credit for it. Um, But, like, and I'm glad this is not this did not happen, by the way. But if there was a, uh, a an instinct in the Democrats to work with Trump when he got into office, God only knows what scary crap could have been done. I'm glad it didn't happen. They sh- they froze him out on infrastructure that entire time because they didn't want to give him a giant win. And now Biden uh, gets to do it with a little help from Republicans. Biden gets his infrastructure week, crossing another goal off Trump's to do list. They are still obsessed with Donald Trump. It's unbelievable. It's amazing all the credit Biden is getting for doing something that Trump wanted. I thought Trump was Satan. If Trump is Satan and Trump is Satan and Hitler, he's, uh, you know, Adolf, uh, Adolf Satan. If that's him. Why do you want to get credit for all the stuff he wanted to do? I don't know. I guess things change. Biden's infrastructure success, a historic and sorely needed win. He definitely needed a win. Sorely. But is this one? Is this a win? Just think about the politics of this for a second. He's spending $110 billion on roads and bridges. By the way, as you might notice, that's only like 10 or 20% of this bill. Remember that. 
Now, of course, we were already spending tons of money on roads and bridges. We do that all the time. But now there's even more to spread around to all of our friends and allies. But what does that mean to the average person? Mainly, traffic. <laughs> that road you used to drive on and get to work will now have interruptions and blockages and giant construction equipment in the way. It probably won't start for a while. It'll probably just go and you'll get a bunch of cones up for a while and then there'll be signs and then things will roads will close. There'll be no work going on. And yes, maybe in 12 years from tonight, uh, it will be less bumpy on that road. But will that make people actually like Joe Biden more now? I don't know. I don't think so. Even in the absolute extreme scenario of a bridge that otherwise would have collapsed, but instead was repaired only in the situation where this bill was passed. No one's even going to ever know that. <laughs> They're just going to see a lot of orange cones and get pissed off. So I don't know why it's some big win. Now, yes, you might score some rural support from rural broadband improvements for those who want to have their you know, government monitoring their Internet traffic even more than they already are. And then there's money for trains. Look, train, you, um, you know, I'm very anti-train on this program. It's one of my main stances. Trains are an outdated technology. They suck. Unless you have existing rail lines and you're talking about very specific situations that you've already sunk all the cost in, mostly dealing with moving goods, by the way, not people, trains are the worst solution to almost every problem. And remember, public transport sucks. To quote Elon Musk, there is this premise that good things must somehow be painful. I think public transport is painful. It sucks. Why do you want to get on something with a lot of other people that doesn't leave, uh, leave when you want it to leave, doesn't start where you want it to start, and doesn't end where you want it to end? And it doesn't go all the time. It's a pain in the ass, and that's why everyone doesn't like it. And there's like a bunch of random strangers, one of whom might be a serial killer. Okay, great. And so that's why we like individualized transport that goes where you want when you want. Yeah, that's pretty much what we want. Exactly. People don't like people or trains. Only about 10% of people ever ride a train in a given year, and almost all of them are in the Northeast Corridor. Literally, the last thing we need are more trains, especially when we don't even have the money to buy more trains. What we should also point out is that there is a bunch of money to subsidize rich people's electric cars, which I guess Elon isn't going to have a good quote on, and put our children into, uh, you know, basically on a mobile bed of flammable batteries in our buses. That'll be fun. That should work out really well. And to celebrate that, we get this headline from Reuters. Biden, top team to crisscross U.S. in victory tour for $1 trillion infrastructure bill. He's going to crisscross the country to celebrate his new investment into solving the greatest problem we've ever faced, climate change. Obviously, stealing my money and yours to spend on internet for farms and choo-choo trains to nowhere, and then crisscrossing the nation to brag about it is the right move in the face of such an existential crisis. What's the credit score of the United States of America? The answer is six. <laughs> 
We're just at six now, but we still have those six points left. Wouldn't it be nice if we could add a couple points to that credit score? Maybe get a, some lower rates on the $29 trillion in loans we certainly uh, currently have out and the $100 trillion to come. If you could improve that credit score, you can lower your rates. And if you are maybe have a less daunting problem than $29 trillion of debt, you want to make sure that you can get that money um, and buy the things that you need, whether it's a house or a car or a credit card, whatever it is, but get a better rate because that's going to save you thousands of dollars. If your credit score could use some improvement, ScoreMaster is the place to go. Uh, all you got to do is sign up at ScoreMaster. They're going to give you um, just a couple of minutes and for free, they're going to show you how many plus points you can add to your credit score. They know how all this stuff works. They've basically reverse engineered all these algorithms at the, at the credit reporting agencies. So they know how the scores work. They know how you can improve them. They know what day you should make your payment. Everything down to the last detail. ScoreMaster.com slash stew is the place to go to check this out for free. ScoreMaster.com slash stew. See how many plus points you can add to your credit score at scoremaster.com slash stew. I'm joined once again, this time in person by Stephen Kent. He's the host of the Beltway Banthas podcast, the author of the excellent new book, How the Force Can Fix the World, Lessons of, on Life, Liberty, and Happiness from a Galaxy Far, Far Away, which you can pick up yourself starting is it tomorrow? Tomorrow. It's a yep. big, big day. Yeah, it is. It is big day. Yeah, launches upon us. Yeah, you've been working on this for a while. Um, and yeah. I, this is sort of your, you've been doing this thing, like looking at Star Wars, a story that everybody knows, at least to some level, and connecting this, this is what you do in your podcast as well, to politics, to life, to culture. How did you get going on that? Well, it's your fault. It so okay, you, <laughs> you and Pat had mm -hmm. me on Pat and Stu in yeah. 2017 to talk about like Roger Stone and how he, <laughs> he made some sort of meme where he was Palpatine. Yeah. And I just came on and talked about politics and like the, the upcoming Last Jedi movie. Uh, you know, which which we can talk about as well. <laughs> but yeah, that's kind of been the journey ever since is just doing conservative media and talking on my podcast about how politics and Star Wars collide. And you've you have a note, your own show as well now. Okay. Yeah, yeah it's on YouTube called yeah. Rightly. It's mm -hmm. on uh, YouTube.com slash Rightly AJ. That's my political talk show. Yeah, very cool. So yeah. the book is about kind of looking at the world and mining Star Wars and the whole universe for uh, lessons on how to solve today's problems. Um, we talked to you a little bit on radio uh, this morning mm -hmm. and we talked about humility and that being a, a, a big factor in this. That's dead, you do realize your plea for humility is at least a decade late. Yeah, I mean, there's there's not much market out there for <laughs> the, the customer is not always right. Yeah. And, and it's something that we all struggle with and we all have to strike a balance with, you know, particularly us in, in media, right? Like I have a show, I have an audience as well. It's hard sometimes to tell your audience like, hey, I know what you're thinking, but you might actually want to pump the brakes on this and we might need to not rush to judgment on a certain story. The incentives of our business and the world we live in require us to like go, 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 go all the time, particularly like affirming people's biases. Um, we all know it and we just something have to be careful of, uh, particularly in our line of work. 
Star Wars, I, I always go back to it as a, a great story for talking about humility. And we talked a little bit about episode one and like how Padme helped save Naboo <laughs> by humbling herself before the Gungans, everyone's favorite Star Wars species. But there's just a <laughs> lot of fun little anecdotes throughout Star Wars, just like if you're reading like the Greek Stoics or the Bible, just for finding perfect little stories that relate to different problems. Yeah, I'd struggle for the right Star Wars reference to talk about this point, but I, I, it's something I've noticed over the years doing the show for eight zillion years, uh, as I have, um, it, there has been a change, I think, in, and this goes on, I think, on both sides of the aisle, where at the beginning of this, one of our, one of the jobs the audience wanted us to, to accomplish was not only to tell the people when the other side was wrong and mm -hmm. show you how, but also when our side stepped off the path to call them out and stand up and say, you know what, they're wrong on this and here's why they're wrong on this. And we need to make sure that we're buttoned up on our side. And I feel like there's a, a draining of that sort of incentive for, for media hosts. No, there days. absolutely is. And like with the, with the chapter on humility, one of the things that I wanted to zero in on was why the heck is it that on Naboo they elect children <laughs> to be their, their yeah. monarchs? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Padme in episode one is 14 years old mm. and her uh, successor in episode three after Padme has died and there's a new queen sitting on the throne, she's 12 years old. Mm, and so what I, yeah, I mean, like what I wanted to understand from a Star Wars perspective mm -hmm. was why did they make it this way? And what is it about politics on Naboo that they always are electing these young female uh, children to be their monarchs? And you find out when you dig into the Star Wars lore, and I kind of break it down in a condensed way in the book, that they generally value the intuitions of children on that planet. They view them as bringing less baggage to the table, less assumptions, mm. and a curiosity for knowing what the real answer is, whereas their older counterparts tend to have very set opinions, and then they pursue those opinions and enacting them through law. So what they do mm. is they elect children who are trained and qualified, but then they surround them with an elder council. Uh, that's sort of seen throughout the, the prequel trilogies as well. Um, so that they get advice, but children then are able to sort of go through that advice and then go and, and act on the best information. And to me, that connected really nicely mm. to what I remember reading in Matthew 18 when Jesus is talking to his disciples about how they need to be like children if they're ever going to enter the kingdom of heaven. It's not saying I want you to be naive and dumb. Right. It's I want you to know that you need help. You won't have a savior unless you actually know that you need one. Mm, yeah, so it's something bigger than than you. It's you know, it's not just it's not just your little picture. You you have to understand that there's something uh, at a higher level. Uh, it's an interesting political philosophy. I'm not sure I would would want it. <laughs> However, I don't know if we could do worse. I will, I will be running my ten year old for office <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, in order to live by my own creed. No, it's just it's one of those things where like. I generally, as, a, as an individual, I tend to prefer older politicians who like are seasoned and kind of know their way around yeah, town. Yeah. But it, it is absolutely true that I think when you're dealing with younger, more ideological, or not ideological, inspired politicians, they go into it with a certain sort of, of rosiness. They go into yeah. it a little bit untainted. And, and then, then Washington breaks them. Yeah, yes, exactly. <laughs> Washington <laughs> just breaks them in two. Okay, um, let me go to, let me move to um, uh, Disney Plus here for a second. Yeah. Gina Carano she gets uh, canceled. Right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know if there's any other way to put it. I mean, I, to me, I, 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 every once in a while, I do a show where I, I'm like, you know, what's the most pure example of cancel culture? And there's, mm -hmm. a few, there's a few nominees, but Gina Carano's on this list. I mean, 
You might disagree with what she put on Instagram or what she's tweeted. You might not like her politics. But, like, you know, when there is another actor on the same show who basically says the exact same thing except the liberal version and has no punishment whatsoever, I don't know that there's a more clear version than this. Yeah, I I don't think that there is either. And I I will admit on your show to your audience Mm. to being on the other side of this issue when it initially happened. Mm. Because I think one of the things that I was just dying for in that moment was for Gina Carano to not blow herself up with Disney. Because it was really clear that she was like walking the line with them, right? She'd kind of been pushing them for the past year. And, and she's on the verge of being, uh, you know, yeah. the biggest star out of that series. I Absolutely. And I just, I really didn't want it to go down in flames. <laughs> sure. And I just, I guess not out of cowardice, but I just like, I wanted her to not do this. <laughs> I can totally relate to this instinct. <laughs> you just want the show to stay together and you want it to, to just, you know, continue to be a great show that you love. Yeah. And, you know, you didn't want it to happen. But like, I think like, you know, and, and whether you agree with that example or not, you do, of course. you delve into cancel culture um, in the book. And, you know, purely there is something about when someone does something, whether it's on the borderline or whether it crosses the borderline, do we sit back and do we say, hey, we're going to send you to, uh, you know, the garbage compactor of our society and the walls are going to close in until you die? Or are we going to give you a shot to redeem yourself? Well, I think it's one of the, the most intuitive and well understood ideas in Star Wars. Everybody remembers it from Return of the Jedi, uh, Darth Vader re-embracing his identity of Anakin Skywalker Mm. and then becoming a Jedi again. And he appears after death as a shiny little force ghost at the end of the movie and we all applaud and we think that that's great. I had real doubts, like really sincere doubts because I go to a lot of Comic-Cons and kind of far left fans at these cons have really started to talk amongst themselves as it being a improper message for Darth Vader to be redeemed in that movie. Uh, after having no- done nothing to repent for his sins. He just sort of becomes a force ghost and we're supposed to believe it's all okay and his soul is cleansed. Mm. And then I did some research like into how force ghosting happens in Star Wars to really understand, well, are they redeemed in the sense that their sins have been paid for by a savior or wiped clean? No, actually it's not. In Star Wars, the only people who become force ghosts after death have conquered their hubris. They've conquered their inner darkness and Mm. they know their light, meaning that they know all of themselves, which is something Jedi and Sith couldn't do. But only people who have fallen, right, and made mistakes, they know the range of human experience and living. And I think us as Christians, as people who believe in a higher power, that's baked into our understanding of the world right? Mm -hmm. That we are fallen, we make mistakes, and we have somebody out there who's calling us to be better. So when that happens to a person not in the Star Wars universe, how do we apply that? How do we apply when someone goes down a road and, you know, it's easy. One of the examples, another one to to go back a little bit was um, uh, the, uh, the Oscars. Yeah. Um, and uh, Kevin Hart, right? He, he comes out and he, I, in the past, has made jokes about, uh, I think it was, it was homophobic jokes mm-hmm. he was accused of making. And he, in between when he makes the jokes and when he loses the Oscars gig, he comes out publicly and says, gosh, those are bad jokes. I wish I didn't make those jokes. I, I was wrong about them. And he essentially goes through the enlightenment process that they want him to go through. Yeah. Unprompted. Lashing yourself with nine tails. Yeah, yeah. Right? yeah. He does that and seemingly comes to their understanding 
of what he should say and shouldn't say. Now, I can have problems with organizations and groups trying to force someone to say something, and I don't like that. But he did this kind of on his own before any of this happened, and they still got him booted from that show. Like, there is, it seems to be, you're never woke enough. There's never that Mm -hmm. time where you cross the line where you're now good again. You'd have to sit here flagellating yourself uh, for the rest of eternity. Yeah, for people who you'll never meet in your life, and it's not even clear who the judge and and the jury are in that situation. One of the things, and one of your recent guests, Gothics, was on the show talking about the importance of not apologizing. And I've debated it with her a little bit. Like, I think it's important to acknowledge when you make a mistake. But who are you apologizing to and why? And why do they want you to say sorry? And Mm. then what's going to be given to you in exchange (laughs) for doing it? The entire idea of an apology and humbling yourself before people, it's got to be something that is happening inside. PR professionals, and like I work in PR, they're just working with celebrities on having their pre-canned apologies and doing these hit yourself with nine tail tours so that they can just sort of pass on by on skate that's like putting blood above your door on Passover. But it's nothing that is actually having to happen inside that person, and that's what matters. But I think we as a people are losing our courage to actually deal with our own problems. And so we take all of our energy out on dealing with the problems and sins of others. Yeah, it's certainly a lot easier. (laughs) It's a a lot easier. The call to courage is to deal with your own crap. Yeah. Uh, And that is just something that in our culture right now, I don't think people have the the faith and the courage to do. Yeah, um, let me me hit another one here before we go. you uh, you talk about you have the quote from Yoda in there, and I'll butcher it, thinking it off the top of my head. But it's uh, you know the the best teacher is failure. Basically, he says it in yeah. his in his reversing the words sort of way. But you you get it. The best teacher failure is. Yes, the best teacher failure is. Thank you. <laughs> um, uh, it's funny because that is another thing that I think we're losing. Um, in America in particular. I mean, you and I are both uh, capitalists. I, I love uh, capitalism, a fan. And part of capitalism is, is failure, right? I mean, like, you, mm-hmm. you, that's you learn. You learn by failing over and over and over again. And not everyone gets the trophy at the end. And that's, that's part of, it's an individual part of making a better society together. How does Star Wars uh, teach that? Well, Star Wars teaches it in at least every trilogy with heroes who monumentally screw up. You obviously (laughs) have Anakin who lets his passions and his fear for not being in control of everything let his fear ruin his life. It causes him to kill his own wife and put himself in a metal death trap for the rest of his life. Anakin, or Luke, his son, later in episode five, he has visions of his friends dying in Cloud City or suffering at the hands of Darth Vader, and then he rushes into battle, gets his hand chopped off, ends up with a robot hand. Mm. Uh, Ray and Kylo both deal with the same things themselves. Kylo is mostly tormented by his fear of not owning up to his family legacy, and he lets it drive him, that fear of that not owning up, into a hole where he spends a lot of awful years of his life. But you can still make it right if you have the courage to stand up and take that next step. I talk a couple times in the book about my mom. Every every person's mom has like one piece of advice that sticks, like yeah, one sure. thing, <laughs> one uh-huh. thing that they said. For my mom, it was always when you've made a bad choice, the only thing that you can do is make another choice. And a lot of people, when they've made a mistake, they just dig in and hide yeah. and burrow from that bad choice because the consequences or the next choice is scary. And I worry, particularly with cancel culture, 
We're taking away the incentive for people to get up and make that next choice because if there's no payoff in the end for those people, why should they do anything? Maybe they should just stay in their house for the rest of their lives or kill themselves. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's dark. Because you brought up the gothics conversation. And I pragmatically, I can't. It's hard to argue that you should ever apologize, at least publicly, Mm -hmm. you know, because it's just pain for nothing. I mean, they never, it's not like they're, you know what, he apologized. Okay, it's, everything's going to be okay. It, you never get there. Uh, it's only for you. And that's okay. I, I think that's a good enough reason to do it. Um, but it's never, probably not a good reason to tweet it. Uh, that's, I guess, just our culture. Okay, before we go, uh, give me your run through of these, of the nine movies. Like, I want to know, dig in, which ones were actually good, which ones were were just, you know, dolts. Yeah, so it goes without saying the original trilogy mm-hmm. is a masterpiece front to back. Uh, it's just a perfect set of three movies. Mm-hmm. I think that's all that you can say about those. You mm-hmm. know, the, the big debate obviously ends up when you're talking about the, the prequels or the Disney sequels. Right. And I am now at this point. Okay. The prequel trilogies were poorly written and they acted like stage plays. It's like watching Shakespearean theater mm. on, on these movies, like the, the way that it's acted, the way that it's written. George Lucas was an inspired thinker, not a great screenwriter, mm-hmm. and that showed just throughout those movies. But they had vision. Those movies were visionary, they broke new ground, and they also said something that the creator wanted us to understand, both about living and about Star Wars. That Mm -hmm. democracy dies with thunderous applause, that good intentions can lead you to disaster. Mm -hmm. And the thing about the sequel trilogy under Disney, they're beautiful, well acted, pretty nicely put together, but they mean nothing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The the meaning of those movies, it's like they were made in a corporate boardroom and all created by a focus group. And for me, I continually look at that and go, these movies are hollow. And again, with like The Last Jedi being the, the most divisive of those movies, that movie I think of as being the one that at least attempted to say something mm-hmm. and it made people angry. But when I look at the J.J. Abrams movies on the front and the back, seven and nine, they're just like if you had artificial intelligence write a Star Wars movie, things explode, <laughs> right. someone says yeah. something funny, and then Emperor Palpatine shoots lightning into the sky, and then the movie's over. Uh, so I just really prefer... So they just got worse and worse as they went on, is what you're saying. Every uh, single one was worse than the last. A little bit. And I, I think it just it has something to do, again with courage, like taking a stand and making a point with your movies rather than going with Twitter whims. You know, what does Twitter want us to make the next movie about? And there's nothing better than what they're doing on Disney Plus with The Mandalorian, this Boba Fett movie, the animated series. It seems to be like insulated from the fandom in a good way. Hmm, Interesting. All right, Stephen Kent. uh, The book is called How the Force can fix the world. Uh, license, uh, lessons on life, liberty, and happiness from a galaxy far, far away. It's good to see you in person, and uh, thanks for coming in. We're going to do this again sometime. Absolutely. May the force be with you. Let's say uh, someone shot a sh- giant laser at your planet and it blew up, and now you need to find a new home. Uh, you need to get a good real estate agent that you can trust. You need to be able to go wherever you are in the country and find uh, a house uh, that you're not going to overpay for, uh, that you're going to have in a good neighborhood with good schools. Uh, maybe you don't have the annoying neighbor next door. Maybe even your real estate can tell you that. Um, 
If you want to find the right real estate agent, whether you're buying or selling your home, you want to get the most money, get the best deal, and make sure everything is right down to the last dotted I, go to realestateagentsitrust.com. Realestateagentsitrust.com can get you that person. They know who they are already. You don't have to find them. They've already screened all the real estate agents in your area that are worth dealing with, and they're up there on realestateagentsitrust.com. Check it out now. Realestateagentsitrust.com is the place to go. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Joe Biden uh, is not doing what he's supposed to be doing, apparently, according to polls. 58% of Americans say President Joe Biden hasn't paid enough attention to the nation's most important problems. And what's fascinating about that number is it comes inside of a poll, which we were just talking off the air. This is the best poll I've seen for him in a while. So that shows how the presidency is going. 48% approve of the Biden presidency, according to the CNN poll. Now, that's a high number for him recently. I think he benefits a little bit from every day. Afghanistan is in the rearview meal or rearview mirror. Uh, I guess I'm hungry. Um, But, uh, you know, look, don't worry about the 14,000 people that are permanent U.S. residents that are still stuck over there. Don't worry about that. It's a few weeks ago now, guys, so we could just forgive and forget. Uh, six in ten say that Biden. Uh, there is six in ten that say that Biden uh, hasn't had the right priorities. Um, they say uh, it's about the same number as they had for Trump in September 2017, uh, and Obama was 55 percent in January of 2010. So it's a bad poll, but it's not his worst poll. So you have that. Now, on the other hand, Kamala Harris approval rating is not doing uh, all that well. Only 28 percent of Americans approve of how Vice President Kamala Harris has performed in the position uh, since she took office. Ten points lower than the approval rating for Joe Biden. So that's the 38 percent poll. You got a 38 and a 48 coming out kind of the same day. I think in the middle there is about where we've been showing Biden to be. When you look at the polling average, 43, 44 in that general vicinity. Um, But Harris, um, pretty good. This is pretty This is a good accomplishment. Think of the beating Dick Cheney took as vice president. They refer to him as Darth Vader on the news every day. Uh, Miss Harris was at 28 percent and the um, Dick Cheney in 2008 was at 30 percent. It's interesting because Harris like I don't think you could point to Harris and say there's like lots of things um, that she's doing badly. She's just not doing anything. Like, she just seems to be completely invisible. And when she does do something, it's terrible, like going to the border. And you want to know why this administration is doing such a, uh, a bad job. They are now telling uh, businesses to just ignore the court ruling on the vaccine mandate. Just go ahead with it as if it's going to happen. Don't worry about it. Go ahead, put the money in, put the time in, put all the, the uh, compliance resources into it and see how that goes. He also wants to shut down a pipeline, the, the, uh, the uh, Line 5 pop- pipeline, which, you know, again, like they keep doing these things. Gas prices go up. Uh, people suffer. Um, you have increased cost. Uh, through for all the goods that you have. I mean, fuel is an element of every single thing that you buy. So when that goes up, guess what else happens? You pay more for every single thing that you buy. I think the American people inherently get that. I mean, they know what's going on right now. They know the Democrats have full control and they know inflation is coming and they know their solution to it is to spend multiple trillions of dollars. This is not something that is going to connect with people. So I expect these polls to stay low until they decide to change their mind. The only thing that really changed their mind, you know, really over any of this are election results. Get them out of power or scare them that they're going to lose their power. Maybe you have a chance. Uh, Tuesday may have done a little bit to take us down that road. But honestly, there's a lot longer to go.
You know, you may be in one of those areas of the United States where it's cold. I moved out of those areas. So now we're down in, in Texas, like, you know, it's getting a little chilly, a little too chilly for my, for my liking, you know, in the 50s and stuff. Ooh, who wants that? But you can go outside and still grill. It's still grilling time in Texas. And depending on your situation here, uh, you know, you might not be the grill guy, but you might be still wanting the absolute best in meat for your family. I'm the grill guy. I cook the meat. I, you know, I don't, I don't eat meat, but I do, I do cook it for everybody else in the family. And Moink Meats uh, has the, you know, the, the best in grass-fed and uh, grass-finished beef and lamb, pastured pork and chicken, wild-caught Alaskan salmon, uh, and it's shipped directly to your door. You get a cool box. Uh, these are, uh, you know, uh, you get the best every single month. Um, my family loves to eat uh, the stuff that we get in our Moink box. Um, if you sign up today, you're going to get, I mean, this is, this. all I have to say is this. I don't know why I say anything else. When you sign up, you get a year of bacon free. People like bacon. I've noticed this over the years. Change what you get each month if you'd like. You can cancel at any time. Moinkbox is a great gift as well as we get uh, close to the holidays. Moinkbox.com slash stew. Go there right now. Get your free bacon for a year. One year of the best bacon you'll ever taste for a limited time. M-O-I-N-K box.com slash stew. Don't forget the slash stew part of the address because that's how they know you like this stupid show. Moinkbox.com slash stew. Uh, make sure you check out the Facebook page. Uh, click uh, follow or like or whatever it is. But when you hold the hold, little hover situation, you know, hold uh, the button down, you get a, an opportunity to name this show one of your favorite pages, and you'll actually get the content delivered to you. Go around the big tech monsters and uh, get the stuff that you want. Uh, do that today. I'd appreciate it. Also, you can watch the show. Any episode is on YouTube. You can comment live during the show. This one comes in from Dylan. Stu does white chicks. Best one ever. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, it was one of my favorite titles. You know, just, just, just trying to help out the people. Just doing the people. You know, so at one point, they, uh, we were like, uh, are they going to uh, ban us for doing this one or uh, give us a... And I'm like, I, we're doing white chicks. It was about the voting patterns of white women. So we just expressed it in a, in a, in a certain way. Um, <laughs> You can also rate the podcast five stars. Five stars is the appropriate number of stars. Make sure you, uh, when you listen, anywhere you have uh, your podcast, subscribe, rate, and review. We do appreciate that. This one comes in. This is the 2021 Stu Does America podcast. I heard Stu use the phrase weird and interesting quirks and features. And so he gets a Doug score of five out of five stars. You may have absolutely no idea what he's talking about, but I can't believe somebody actually picked that up. I've been watching way too many Doug DeMauro car reviews. So uh, I'm going to have to take a, a little bit of a break from that. But if you've ever watched them, that's totally where that came from. And I can't believe I just blurted it out in the middle of the show. Weird and interesting quirks and features. So uh, I'll try to stop that right after this message from carsandbids.com. Make sure to subscribe uh, to The Blaze, blazetv.com slash stew. Promo code is stew. That's how they know you like this stupid show. We do appreciate when you do so. Uh, check out stewdoesmerch.com as well. All the stuff for your holiday season, including the Santifa Claus map. Santa has gone, gone Antifa, and you can get a very woke Santa Claus there. And at christmasreeducationtraining.com. Uh, before we go, this Aaron Rodgers thing. First of all, Aaron Rodgers is on my fantasy team. So I don't care about his freaking rights on vaccination, okay? I want him. I want all the needles in him. I needed my points. I had to start Tyrod Taylor. He got five points for me, okay? Missing guys wide open, streaking down the field. Vaccinate everybody. That's on my fantasy team. That's just a little uh, asterisk. 
but uh, so Aaron Rodgers, though, is like in the middle of getting canceled now because he made a personal health decision. And I guess it disagreed with what everybody wanted. So now they are pulling. Um, he's already lost multiple sponsorships. They're now uh, uh, changing the amount of frequency. You're seeing the State Farm commercials appear, uh, which means you're only going to see 12 per hour now. <laughs> only the 12 per hour because that's enough. But now people are coming out and attacking him and like Aaron Rodgers, who's not a conservative, by the way, by any means, is now getting canceled. And now he's starting to sound like he's on the show. He's talking about cancel culture all the time. This weird allies, weird, I guess we're supposed to like Kanye West, Nicki Minaj and Aaron Rodgers now. I can't keep track.